You're listening to the Cars of Carlisle Network, podcast episode number 66. Tim Bowman, Retired Facilities Director for Carlisle Events. Cars of Carlisle is your favorite internationally downloaded podcast about all things automotive. Darren and his CFC team are ever searching for interesting automotive happenings, real stories about real car people, and fun features to inform and entertain you. Each week, the Cars of Carlisle crew brings you show topics ranging from car shows to team adventures to auto racing weekends to behind-the-scenes human interest stories from car nuts that live across town, across the country, or even across the globe. Come join the road trip. Today, you'll get to meet the former facilities director of Carlisle Events. Tim Bowman invites Darren into his unique and well-designed home, garage, outbuildings, and workshop to talk about his own vehicles as well as his distinguished career at Carlisle Events. Listen to hear behind-the-scenes stories and engaging tales from Tim's many years of keeping the fairgrounds in tip-top shape for the world-famous swap meets and car shows. So, let's get revved up! Hello and welcome back, Cubers, to your favorite informative automotive podcast. I am your trusted host, Darren, and I am glad to have you back again this week. Thank you for being a fan, a Cuber of this show. We all appreciate it. On behalf of the team, thank you guys. was thinking, before we get into this interview, I had the opportunity to go to the home of Tim Bowman. He is the former facilities director for Carlisle Events. As we're coming up to the tail end of the 2019 Carlisle Events car show season, wanted to talk a little bit about uh, someone who was part of that for many years. And you're going to hear things about just the tons, truly, and hundreds of tons of trash and all the things that go into having to remove and the maintenance and, and keeping all the facilities and the grounds at the Carlisle Fairgrounds fully operational and at, uh, in its best shape for the, the car shows each and every year. So we're going to learn more about that. Anxious for you to hear Tim talk about his, how he got into cars, about his time at Carlisle events. And then we talk about some of the vehicles that he owns and, and is truly uh, proud to to have restored and, and to maintain and, and drive and enjoy as well. So before we head to uh, that interview with Tim, let's, let's do this week's trivia question. As I was flipping through and getting caught up on some reading, I was checking out the 2019 edition of Motor Trend Magazine, and in there they were talking about imports from um, a company in Virginia that imports vehicles and, and, and sells them in the open market. And there was a term in there that I think we've all seen. There's even a show on Motor Trend Network that uh, plays into this acronym. So the question simply is this, what does the automotive acronym JDM stand for? That answer coming up at the end of this podcast. Stick around. Now let's head out to visit with Tim. I wanted to have a car when I was 16. What kid didn't want a car when he was 16? It's freedom, yeah. Um, and I was fortunate that I did a lot of hunting with my dad. I used to hunt in a farm up near Newburgh. Um, one of dad's friends, father's farms. Um, we came off the field one day, this was in November of 1969, taking a break from a day of hunting pheasants and we're sitting in the yard and I had seen this old car, 41 Mercury Woody Wagon, mm. in the shed covered with pigeon crap and dust and dirt and <laughs> in a corn crib shed. And I asked uh, 
old uh, Pap Stowe, if he wanted that old car. And his response to me was, no, I don't want that old car. If you want it, it's yours. It had been parked in 1957. So I'm thinking, I want a car. I bugged Dad. In June of 1970, the title had been transferred. We went to Newburgh with a tow truck from Dillsburg and got the 41 Mercury and headed to Dillsburg and had a garage there is where we started uh, the work. Um, the thing about a barn find is I, I, I had my barn find at age 15. Mm-hmm. You know, some guys spend a lifetime looking for one. Mm-hmm, right. And I got to sometimes remember, you know, <laughs> I already had my born find. Um, <laughs> because the beauty of it is, um, old Pap Stowe took not a dime. He did not want no the car. No kidding, not even. It sat for 13 years wow. in that shed. The last inspection sticker, 1957, still on it. Okay. Um, and my dad and I started working on it. I'm thinking I'm going to have the coolest ride at Carlisle High School. But the <laughs> fact is, uh, it was 2008 till I got done restoring it. Wow. Um, things get in the way. They do. They do. You know, off to college, um, lack of funds, lack of a place to work, um, but you know, I was stubborn and persisted, and in 2008, I finally had it on the road wow. and done. That's really cool. That's a labor of love, right? Yeah, there. yeah. And unfortunately, my dad passed away in um, September of '96, so he never saw it yeah, completed. Sure. But uh, yeah, did you do the work yourself, Tim? We did the majority of it. That's why I call it an amateur restoration. I mean, if you know, for me to take it to Hershey or have it judged or something like that, yeah. I've never done that um, because we did basically everything uh, except the motor, which was rebuilt Schaefer Brothers mm-hmm. in 1972 for the grand sum of $302 and some change. Oh. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to get a rebuild yes, today? I would. Yes, I would. Yeah, you can't um, even get a camshaft for that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, everything was pretty much done by ourselves. When it came time for the paint, I was living in North Carolina, and my dad was retired. And this was like 1983, and we were renting a garage from Martin Wise, um, who had started Marty's Auto Sales on East North Street. Yes. And paint job, Dad and Marty painted it. Mm. Um, didn't go to a body shop. So yes. Um, we did everything we could. Mm-hmm. Um, there was two pieces of wood replaced, which um, all the rest is original. Mm-hmm. So we had a cabinet shop, uh, which was Blue Mountain, if those guys even remember anymore, doing mm-hmm. those two pieces of wood back in 1983, I believe. Um, but other than that, Dad and I, we did it all. Wow. We That's did very impressive. There's a lot of satisfaction to be drawn from that, and you've had, you built amazing memories with your father. Yeah. That. So that's yeah. the connection of it all. Yeah, I mean the the this the crazy things you did back then. Um, when it came time to set the engine, we had the front end torn off, and we picked up the engine. They actually put it in the back of a '69 Volkswagen Square back. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 
is how we brought it home. Oh. And <clears throat> we used a an old swing set. Okay. Our old swing set with roller skates get on the bottom and a hoist to get it out of the car and then wheel it and set it in the mercury. Yeah. Now, we, we were fortunate in that the whole front end was off the mercury. Yeah. So we were just... But, I mean, you look back... It's clever. That's a good way to... The stuff you, you got away with, you know, how you did things. Um, improvise. Yeah. You know, to get it done. That's pretty cool. Now, was the Woody Road... Like, so, June of 70, that's when I heard you say that it was yeah, it was yours. Did it spend any time going to Carlisle High School, or was it... No, much? no, I never got it on the road, really, to it 2008. It was, okay. uh, it was actually October of uh, 1972 when we finally started it for the first time. Okay. The engine was locked up. We I tried just to free it. Gotcha, okay. Uh, we, had, we started out in Dillsburg, back in 1970, June of 70, at my uncle's business in downtown Dillsburg, which had a garage in the back. And I can show you pictures. It was actually a Plymouth dealership okay. in the 20s. Okay. Um, and that's where we started working. And we'd use one of Uncle Russ's pickup trucks and hook it up to the mercury. And we'd put penetrating fluid down in the mm. spark plugs, you know, on top of the cylinders and Dad and I would be in the back of the garage, and he'd be in the pickup truck, short chain, and we'd start flying back through the garage, and he'd honk the horn, and I'd let the clutch fly, and the mercury would go, <laughs> you know, across the floor. And we finally gave up on breaking engine free, and you know, we're going to have to pull it and, mm. and, and get it rebuilt. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. How many miles on our, to, on our clock right now? You know, there's seventy nine thousand some okay. miles on it for the for the year though. That's, that's low mileage for a forty one. Yeah, that's really good. Now what um, what can you well if you're open to it, we can show pictures on the, the social media. But what are some of the unique things that you think about your Woody that maybe the untrained eye may miss as far as just the dash, the lines, just parts of it that are maybe not everyone is aware of it. Of what that uh, that Mercury might have, I really don't know. There's so much. They're basically a glorified Ford. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Well, one of the things I was always amazed at is, uh, and the Fords and the Mercurys all had. When you turned the key in those back then, you locked the ignition switch and the steering, mm-hmm. which was like, like, wow, steering wheel lock in 1941. It did have a clock in the dash, um, a radio, AM radio, um, and the interesting thing with that, the radio was on the cow up above the windshield. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, the antenna. So there was a knob to turn the antenna down. Um, the steering, or uh, the spare tire, okay. had a lock, so nobody could uh, steal yeah. you. There was actually a lock that goes on the spare yeah. tire, so that wouldn't disappear. That's good. So it's yeah, it's interesting that features that you now you would not think mm-hmm. would be on a, a car back mm-hmm. then, mm-hmm. and there they are. Other than that, there's nothing special about it. Um, other than 
it's interesting how many people this day and age just don't even know there were wood-bodied cars. Mm-hmm. You know, they see one and go, what is that? Yep. Yep. But they were. They were built to go to the station mm-hmm. and pick passengers up yep. and take Packages them to the hotel the or, or wherever they were staying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we... Uh, Cars of Carlisle was actually at America on Wheels yeah. up in the museum and... Uh, Recently, and, and I learned the true meaning of the station wagon mm-hmm. and a pickup truck, which was essentially like a model Model T, Model A, where you would just you could get the Sears Roebuck, slide in the the wooden bed, mm-hmm. the rumble seat, then you could go down, pick up a package. With yeah. It. So that's how these are just terms that we all know, but they had to start somewhere, and yeah. it was kind of neat to learn all that. Yeah. Now, I know that you've had a uh, fascination with other vehicles, too, some of which are, are you know, been with you for many, many years. Do you want to talk about, like, the power wagon or anything else that is uh, special to you? Um, the 58 power wagon I've had for over 30 years now. Um, and that was for sale on Forge Road, which I passed each day going to work at the Trestor Care Wilderness School. You know, I lived in Carlisle. And commuted out there, mm-hmm. and um, price tag on three thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> you know, like I say, this is over thirty years ago, and that was I'm, good money. Yeah, I'm an avid hunter, um, and I never owned a four wheel drive. And I thought it's time, mm-hmm. and uh, bought it from Bill Garland, which you know that's what he does is power wagons. Um, I had friends who found out I bought it, and they put it to the test. <laughs> they took me to a, an area out near the War College they called the Tank Tracks. I don't know if you ever heard of them. I, I don't even don't, know where no. they would be anymore. No, I don't. And, uh, wow. Rugged terrain? Yeah. Yeah. And, we, I, you know, I passed the course that, All right. that evening. All right. Um, you know, go where you want to go. Um but just don't be in a hurry. It likes right. 45 miles an hour. Whenever I leave here to go to Carlisle, um, I am always aware of what time of day it is. Mm-hmm. Because although the Holly Pike is 45 miles an hour, and that's what I do, I piss people off. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that's all I'm doing. Yeah. Because <clears throat> uh, it's geared so well. Yeah. But with a higher range, low range, you know, transmission... You can get on these mountains in Michaud State Forest and drop it in four-wheel drive, low range, and put it in first gear, and you don't even have to touch the gas, and that truck will walk up the mountain. That's amazing. And you can just eyeball and look for deer tracks or whatever, and just, it's like you're walking, and that's, and it's just fine. Wow. So that one, yeah, I've had a hard time parting with that. It's never been far from home. Right. 45 is... Well, and you use it. You enjoy yeah. it. That's, that's yeah. the great part of it, too. It's not sitting and it's... No, it is not a showpiece. Right. Um, but it, it's, it's solid, it's sound, and... Yeah, 30-plus uh, years. It's... Uh, it's all that matters. It's important to you. Yeah. What got you onto 
power wagons. Or was it just seeing it every day on that commute to the? It was sitting on the commute and and the, and really a four wheel drive. Okay. I mean, there are you know, like I say, I was an avid hunter. I like to get out in the mountains. Um, and it's I didn't rugged. Like the fact that, huh? And it's a rugged vehicle. Yes, and I didn't you know. I'd like to be able to go up the Cold Spring Road, you know, sure. Watt Ridge Road when there's snow and not right. worry about getting stuck. And, right. Um, yeah, there again, you know, I never owned a four-wheel drive. And <laughs> this was it. And It was meant to be. Yeah. Wow. Well, what about some of the other vehicles in your, in your stable? There's a um, 56 Plymouth Belvedere. Um that I bought at one of Carlisle's auctions when I was still working there. And that's been about six years ago now that I bought that. Okay. Um, the reason I was interested in that is I had a 56 Belvedere in college. Okay. And unfortunately, and like I imagine many guys in, in their college days, they ran that car <laughs> to its death. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. Right. What, you know, what do you... What can you say? You can't you can't keep them all. Right. Um, and I missed that car. Um, and my Mercury was my first car, but my Plymouth was my first real driver that I got in 1975. Gotcha. And I had that while I was at Millersville State College. Um, and this one came up about six years ago at auction, and Tony Klein had told me about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and went to auction... Thursday night, I'm standing there in my jeans and my Carlisle maintenance sweatshirt yeah, yeah. with my just my Carlisle ID tag, no bidders credentials, and um, <laughs> <laughs> you figure you do the paperwork on the back end. You know, Tony and Bill are like, you know, go ahead. Harold's like, go ahead. You know, that's awesome. Yeah, you're good for it. And uh, I bought a '56 Belvedere that night. That uh, that's cool. Just because I had one in college and I loved it. Yeah. Well, they're they're a true fifties fin car. I mean, they're yeah, just, they're real pretty. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, what engine do yours have? Um, you know, I'm not even sure what size. It's probably the the like two seventy Polysphere. Okay. V eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the unique thing about it um, is now the owner was at Carlisle um, and told me that the it has a Dealer installed factory option two four barrels. Whoa. Yes, on this old. Whoa. Um, and when you're driving that thing, I, I frequently take them for a run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, just to make sure things are working. I try to get everybody out at least once a month. Yep. And when I'm on my way home, I'm about a mile from here. There's a straight stretch. I let her get down to about 30, 35 miles an hour. <clears throat> and my objective is to get the old gas out of that one carburetor. Sure. So, so I punch it. And that old big Plymouth will just squat down and chirp tires and take no off. No kidding. Yeah. It'll, it, it'll grab rubber at 35? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, those two four barrels open up. And, you know, I figured I got to get, get rid of the old gas. Yeah. Well, it's just a good maintenance technique. Yeah, yeah. It's a good maintenance thing, yes. It's, uh, I don't blame yeah, it. Yeah, I love that one. Um, I don't blame it. And there again, it'd be hard to part with because, you know, I loved mine that I had uh, when I was at Millersville. Mm-hmm. That's cool. What, yeah. o- what other uh, 
other ones did you want to share with us tonight? I had the 31 Ford, um, which is um, an all-steel hot rod with a 52 Mercury flathead V8 in it. Ooh. Which, uh, that one I bought, I'm going to it's probably been about eight years now already. And uh, it was uh, Fall Carlisle. Okay. And uh, was it a car corral vehicle? No, it was actually out in the north field. Okay. Uh, Rocky Mizell from up near Coogan Station, Lycoming County, had it. And he's been a long time vendor at Carlisle. Okay. And uh, Flip Sayers, who uh, handled the trash crew at the fairgrounds, he was also in my department. He calls on the radio. And he says, oh, What's up, Flip? And he says, I think I found your hot rod <laughs> back here in the north field. <laughs> he says, it's a rocky spot. You better come take a look. So downtime, I slip back there. There sits a fire engine red 31 Ford Coupe, um, 52 Mercury flathead V8 with, you know, three two barrels on it. Mm. Um, and a driver. Mm-hmm. It's a driver. Mm-hmm. Um, Which makes it, it fine. Yeah. And it's all steel. And uh, I <laughs> sat down with Rocky, and that's the end of that. Wow. Um, that's really cool. Was so excited. You know, never had a hot rod. Never had a, just never had a hot rod. Yeah. Um, was so excited about getting a hold of something that, you know, it's a head turner, but it'll sure. scoot right along. And the fact it's got a flathead in it. Yes. Yeah, often house her heads on what it. What a great three deuces. Mm-hmm. Um, I was so excited that when we went to transfer the title at um, and do the paperwork at um, Solenberger's, sure. I still have regular tags on it. They couldn't give me hot rod tags or antique. They couldn't do all that. You know, I had to wait. No, I wanted to drive. It's mm-hmm. fall show. Mm-hmm. I yeah. so regular tags are still on it. And hey, it we, doesn't bother. We me. like what we like when we like it. Yeah. And the other thing I like, um, I have antique plates in only one vehicle, which is the Mercury. The rest I run uh, the classic mm-hmm. tags, mm-hmm. Um, permanent registration. But you're allowed out at night. Yes. Plus, it requires me to get inspected every year. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that. I like going to Matt. Usually in the fall year, I schedule a week. We just shuttle every back day. And forth. Every yep. day, I take one. Um, <laughs> well, that's right, because you got five, right? So you can do Monday through Friday. Yeah. <laughs> and Matt will inspect them and... He's just, uh, I want to say, uh, an authority. He is a, an excellent mechanic, and he'll see things I don't see. That's right. And he, he gives me a list. He'll write things down. He says, this is what I want you to do this mm-hmm. year. This is what I want you to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. So I do not mind that sounds, getting them inspected. That's the way to do it. Yeah. So what's number five? Do you want to talk about her? That one is a, a 56 Dodge C3 pickup, which... Uh, I went to Winchester, Virginia to get because it escaped me at the fairgrounds. Deal Wilson, the Virginia giant that comes to the truck mm-hmm. show, mm-hmm. Deal had it. Okay. <laughs> so you fallen him back down and stuff? Well, I making... saw it leaving. I oh, saw boy. it leaving Carlisle. Oh, my. The truck show. And uh, 
it ended up, I forget now how I figured out who had it. Um, but uh, uh, Lance and Billy were kind enough to give me the car hauler one day. I had to Winchester, Virginia and made the deal with Deal and Terry Starner was in my department. Terry rode along that day and I came home with the, a drivable 56 Dodge C3. I thought, I'm just going to have fun with this. But it needed a new bed. Well, that can of worms. Oh, yeah. It's a the bed came off, and I. the bed is actually oak from an oak tree I took off this property. Wow. So the oak tree went everything from live oak to um, milled lumber, uh, air dried, and then planed in my shop, and then in the bed, and finished. But Who can say as that? I dug into the project... It became a cab off restoration and rebuild the engine, and mm-hmm. five years later, I finally was on the road. And you did that work yourself again? Again, all okay. myself. That's um, and it's it's great. Um, it was done to look like a a golf gas station truck, so it's orange and blue. You see, I'm a I, golf collector. Well, and that's I, a, that's a real globe. I was gonna <laughs> say, and I love the livery of that orange and blue. Obviously, that's I. It's. I was inspired by the golf emblem, and that's in the logo of Cars of Carlisle. The. Uh, oh, look at that! That. Yeah, I cool. just put a seven watt ball. And the reason I collect golf products, my grandfather had a farmer's supply store in Dillsburg. Okay. And you can see this calendar is 1936. Yeah. And he sold golf gasoline and oils at his farmer's supply store. Firestone tires too. Look at that. Yeah. That's cool. And I have, actually, I have a picture of his place of business from probably the late 40s or early 50s mm. with a truck parked out front. And you can see the old gas pumps. That's really cool. So that got me sort of started on, on the golf products. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's those are your five... I think uh, the Cars of Carlisle listeners would love to hear a little bit about the fact you had many years with Carlisle Productions, which became Carlisle Events, and you were director of uh, facilities, correct? And yeah, well, I uh, I started out by answering an ad for a facilities assistant in November of two thousand and two. Okay. Um, was hired and went to work for them about the 3rd of January of 03. Um, by November of that year, I was promoted from facilities assistant to facilities director. The show season of 04 was a big learning curve for me. It was... Uh, <clears throat> my predecessor did not teach me much. Okay. Uh, a lot of a lot of his uh, job security was carrying everything around his head. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in that. Everyone's got to be able to get to the source of information. Sure. Um, yep. So I, I spent my first year was was like say a big learning curve. Um, in early April, I would stay late at the fairgrounds um, because I had not been taught as a facilities assistant how to turn all the lights on at night. Oh my. You know, 
which uh, most of them are on sensors or on timers, but they have to be turned on prior to the show, so they're not burning 365 days. Mm -hmm. So I would go out to different panels and flick switches and then go back to my office and do work until dark. Mm -hmm. Then get on the golf cart <laughs> go point to and point. Go, go check my work. So things like that. Um, Hit you and miss. You had to learn by trial. Right? Yeah, you had to learn by trial. Um, mm -hmm. Paper products. Um, so I think this was, you talked about this uh, over St. Petty's Day weekend. I, I was fascinated. I don't want to preempt you, but you one day said, I'd like to keep statistics on how much stuff goes around here. Um, I did not know. For example, Spring Show is, is the biggest as far as attendance. Back then, there was probably easily over 100,000 in attendance. Um, well, how many paper towels and toilet paper and hand soap? Um, how much of that product do you need? I didn't know. So just order to make sure you have enough. You know, think, mm -hmm. and then start keeping track. Mm -hmm. um, again, there was nothing on file. No records. No, no. records. Um, in fact, Diane Vaughn. Yes. At that time, here I am, facilities director, and Diane Vaughn was ordering all the janitorial products. What's wrong with that picture? Mm -hmm. I said, Diane, how do you know what to order? She said, Dave would come in and say, just order what you got last time. That's not going to work. So I started keeping track of and I made up a sheet so every show we knew what was stocked in each bathroom mm -hmm. and then at the conclusion of the show we did another inventory so we knew exactly what each bathroom had used sure um, and just started keeping records well eventually you find out how many million feet of toilet paper you go through you know and hundreds of thousands of feet of of paper towels and hand soap, um, you know the figures actually escaped me. You know just how much it was, but uh, yeah, it was a very it was. We wanted to make sure that during the course of the show, no restroom facility ran out of any product. So we started keeping accurate records. So we mm -hmm. made sure they were stocked, and you know our personnel. We actually had a contractor that manages those. Mm -hmm. um, Made sure, you know, that they would have everything they need during the course of the show. We would, you know, have it all covered. Um, you know, some things I do remember. I was curious as to how much trash we move. Well, within one year, I, I kept back your records. I would just have uh, uh, the accounting department copy our invoices from the trash hauler. So I knew how many containers were removed how much weight was in each container so i knew by show mm -hmm. how much you know we could expect to generate and, mm -hmm. and get hauled and came up one year i believe it was 311 tons wow. at the end of the season oh my gosh um and we did that all with uh some john deere gators and two pickup trucks and a lot of people walking and pulling and jeepers that's a lot yeah of it's a lot. And from that, from that, we would pull metal mm -hmm. and tires mm -hmm. and batteries. There was stuff we couldn't, you know, put right. in those right. containers. And, right. you know, of course, recycle stuff. And, 
Well, anybody that's been in a Carlisle event show, you know those big blue bins that are everywhere. Yeah. That's, that's a well, lot. yeah, I mean, we even had, um, we had a procedure for putting out the trash cans. Mm -hmm. A trash can was supposed to be every 20 spaces, so that's every 200 feet, mm -hmm. and three at every food stand. So if you had a satellite food stand out there, um, and the... Uh, in the food court alone, I believe there was uh, 26 of them. My goodness. That's a lot. <laughs> well, there's 52 picnic tables in yeah. there. So there was one for every every row that we had. Sure. Um, so, yeah, during the course of a show, um, there are a lot of people who would attend Carlisle would just have no idea of what goes into pulling that off. Yeah. The logistics alone are amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's really I'm glad you're sharing some of this tonight, Tim. Because when you shared this with me around St. Patty's Day weekend, I was blown away. I've been coming to the show since I was a little guy, but you don't stop and think about it. Yeah, it takes months and months of effort for, on everybody's part to get ready for show season, to get ready for the show weekend, and then to clean up and get ready for the next one. It, it's staggering all the amount of person hours that go into that. Yeah, a lot. Of, you know, there's so many. Yeah, people just they don't they don't see the setup. They don't realize what would happen in the course of a season. Uh, back when we had a ten show season, um, I can remember one year, our uh, event planner for a truck show. Um, what how should I say this? Well, he upset me upset a little bit because he had over. Uh, I think it was a mile and three quarters of fence. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of fence to put up for a show mm -hmm. and then tear it down. And I kept track one year. One year we put up over eight miles of fence, all to be torn down. You put it up for one show. What was the intent? Um, to divide maybe a parking area from a vendor area mm -hmm. to uh <clears throat> control crowds like for the bike show example we used to put a lot of fencing up to control the motorcycles mm -hmm. to make sure they used the lanes and didn't just mm -hmm. go across the fields gotcha um like truck show the rock crawl area yeah. you'd have to fence that off yeah you know, sure for just safety for safety reasons. for safety yeah. reasons yeah sure when the uh, motorcycle guys are performing mm -hmm. um for the monster truck mm-hmm so Temporary fencing for every show. And yeah, one year I kept track. Over eight miles. Wow. We put up. Wow. That's... Um... And when you do eight miles of fence, well, take eight, was eight times 5,280 feet <laughs> and then divide that by eight feet. Mm. And you'll know how frequently the posts are. That's going to say, that's a lot of sections, a lot of posts. A lot, a lot of post poundage. On how... You never asked of anything of anybody that you wouldn't do yourself or had done yourself. You personally would get down them and. Uh... Um, there, were, there's just no way you could sit back and just be a manager when it no. came time to show time. Um, one of the things I started doing when I took over was um, I had a big dry race board in the shop, and it would be laid out Monday through Sunday of show week. And every day had a list of things that needed to be done that day. But, you know, and the guys used to say, you know, when are we going home? Well, hopefully by 7 o'clock tonight. But 
-hmm. The list has got to be done. Mm -hmm. If we're fortunate enough to knock off Monday's list and it's 5.30, mm -hmm. you know, start on Tuesdays. Mm -hmm. Because no matter how well you prepare and plan, there's going to be some curveballs coming at you. I'm sure. There's always, you know, something that pops up. You know, there's an issue, there's a problem. Um, so, <clears throat> everyone knew that um, I may be down in the midway setting up the electrical grid. Mm -hmm. And everyone on my team knew that don't go find a boss. What's on the board? Mm -hmm. You know, what can I knock off? What can I do? Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a question, get on the radio. Yeah. And then you got it done. You check it off. Keep going. And just Yeah, just keep going. You know, if you need help doing something, get on the radio. You know, <clears throat> big feet. You know, the big feet to go out to mark all the um, areas for the cars to park. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When they mark all the areas for, you know, for the Mopars, the B-bodies, and, the, yeah, you know, just... Right, right. Um, well, there were shows there'd be 220 big feet out, and then the signboards had to go in, and so, well, it's a two-man job. You get on mm -hmm. the forklift, and someone's reading a map, okay, drop one here, mm -hmm. drop one here. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, every, every show... The dry erase board was all laid out. And you're doing some serious backbreaking work, too. I mean, about yeah. Driving um, those posts and everything else. It's... Yeah, putting fence up. Carlisle did grow in certain areas during my tenure. For example, the Manufacturer's Midway. And Jim really grew that. When I started, we had um, 12 panels in what we called splitters. We had 12 panels and two splitters. And a panel was a 200 amp service. Mm. Breaker board with a bunch of outlets, 220, 110, on an A-frame. Mm. And we would run a cord to them, hook to a pole, run a cord to that. Okay, McGuire's is set with their power. Mm. You know, and then go to the next one. Um, well, like I say, when I started out in 03, we had 12 panels and two splitters. When I left, we had 36 panels Ooh. and two splitters. 300% growth. Now, when you think about it, each panel was what you would find in a new home, a 200-amp panel. We had cords in excess, a uh, 100-foot cord back then um, would cost in excess of $800 for a 100-foot extension cord. We had some of them 400 feet long because we would get the manufacturer's midway layout with their power requirements, 220 or just regular 120 volts, and then we'd have to figure out how we're going to do it. And you got a 400-foot, six-gauge cord, and you're dragging down, you know... It yeah. seems to me like there was a lot of MacGyvering happening. Like you had to be very clever and innovative, use what you had, figure things out. Yeah. Um, probably last minute changes that you. Yeah, there were there were times that I know, I pushed uh, the marketing department for details. You know, um, 
if someone's coming on to the midway and they need 220 power, I need to know that. Because mm -hmm. I need to make sure that I have enough juice there um, and dedicated to them. That's right. Because normally when a panel would be set, I might have six vendors grabbing juice off of it in the midway. Now, if someone needs 220, wow. We're hooked into a 100-amp breaker up the line, which may, be not, may not hold. Yeah. So that's, you know, I used to push them. I need to know what people need so I can get it right the first time. Do you ever have any electrical close calls? Um, I had uh, a Carter's call me one time because Greg had no power in one of his uh, satellite stands on Duke Boulevard. And... Uh, I opened the panel and a breaker had kicked, a 100 amp double pole breaker had kicked. And I reached up to snap it back in and I jumped back. And Greg said, did you just get shocked? I said, no, that's how hot it is. Wow. It was that hot to it, to it clicked. Mm. Because we're just, we're pulling too much juice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, our temporary setups were, you know, you had to think them through. Uh, That's a lot. And I know you spent many a night on a cot, never left a... Well, <clears throat> we had uh, <clears throat> the maintenance crew, for example, spring shows coming up, maintenance would run continuously from Monday morning till Sunday afternoon. Um, mm -hmm. Someone would be... Uh, overnight schedule mm -hmm. and uh, that way in the event of emergency we had a maintenance right there we didn't have somebody getting out of bed yeah. 15 miles away and driving in right we had somebody <clears throat> right there um, and believe it or not not too too many crazy calls well, that's I great. mean it happened I mean sure. I had water breaks you know um, situations but uh, the one thing that uh, worked out well was security knew that <clears> the <throat> first question was can this wait till morning mm. versus getting that guy up because mm. he put in at least a 12 hour day if not 14 or 15 mm -hmm. and he's got the same thing tomorrow so can this wait till tomorrow? Can we secure it? Is it something that can wait? Um, early in my career, I had, uh, I did have a security personnel woke my guy up at one in the morning because he had a flat tire on his golf cart. <clears throat> I said, it's lucky he's still alive. <laughs> you know, and there's 30 golf carts there. Yeah. Get another one. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So that's sort of what yeah. brought this around. Right, right. You know, when there's an issue, security would go to their supervisor, their overnight supervisor, who would decide. Yeah, let this one ride. Yeah. <laughs> Just let maintenance go. Right. Um, get another golf cart. <laughs> um, so that helped tremendously. Um, so usually... You know, by 10 o'clock or so, you know, mm -hmm. you could settle in and think, okay, unless it's a major event, mm -hmm. you know, the water's got to be run, the electricity's got to be arcing, something's got to be on fire. I mean, it's, you yeah. know, 
Yeah. It's got to be something that's, that has to be handled now. And then security would, would, would get us. And not too often okay. good. did we get, you know, that's good to hear. shaken out. Um, there were times that uh, it was just plain late till we got done. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it, Corvette show? Uh, oh. I'm trying to remember the year Lance actually called the Corvette show Saturday night because of the storm. Mm. Um, it was the only time in Carlos history that Sunday was closed to everyone except car owners and vendors. Wow. Because we had such storm damage. The, oh, okay. the, uh, the 50th anniversary Corvettes, was that in 07 or 08? Well, uh, what about 03, if it's the 50th? It wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't the 50th of the 53. See, they do a 50th anniversary each year. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so it might have been oh, I, the I 50th anniversary of the 56 I'm or the 57 now. Corvette. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. But anyways, uh, the one special display tent, half the tent came down. We had, well, it was just, I'll tell you how bad it was. I brought in two 30-yard open-top containers to put the easy-up frames in. Mm. That's how many easy ups were mangled and took off. We filled two thirty yard containers. Um, so that was after it was after one in the morning till we got out of there at night and we were all back by seven. Wow. Any damaged vehicles that particular day? Uh there was some. Um, Lance would know my guys, some of my guys would know, I can't remember what year that was. What other uh standout memories of your tenure would you want to share? Um, I don't know. There's, there's, there's so much. I mean, we had Lifeline land in the field one time. A uh, vendor got hurt when he was uh, taking his fifth wheel trailer, you know, dropping it. Um, okay. There's um, a truck show one year. I get called because there's a black snake under a trailer down by the oh food court. Oh my gosh! Yeah. You know, and I had, I had to go get that. And I, <laughs> I took him over to the armory, put him in the woods. Uh-huh. Um, there's so many things that went on. But do you yeah. have a do you have a favorite or a fondest memory? <clears throat> Not really. No? They're just okay. packed full. Okay. Um, there was a uh, a year again. This was truck show. There were um, a colony of honeybees were migrating. You know, they'll follow the queen. And I got a call because there were all these bees down at the food court. And the, they were actually really on the west side of the food court where we had the octagon tables. We started setting those out mm-hmm. a few years back. Uh, it's where they were congregating. And uh, somebody's idea was to kill them. I said, no, no, no. And I, until I got down there, uh, thank goodness Sean uh, and security called a beekeeper in Perry County. And I told him, I said, just cordon the area off, is what I had told uh-huh. him. If this is a colony on the move, they'll be there no more than 24 hours. And they're probably settling in for the night. Uh-huh. And just cordon that off. I said, you know, give up a few picnic tables, you know. Um, and. The beekeeper came and I went down and we had 
of course, caution tape around, and she had brought a hive with her, and um, this was far too interesting for me. I had to go under the caution <laughs> tape and go sure. sit down very carefully and start watching. Yeah. And this mass of bees were under the table, and we just got our paper plates and we cut them in half, and she used them like like a um, dustpan and started getting them and putting them in the hive up on the table. Now honeybees are not vicious if you're, you know, if you're careful with them. Yeah. Then she's sitting at the table and she's got her finger right in the bees. And her husband's assisting, watching. I'm watching. I looked at him and said, what's she doing? He said, she's looking for the queen. I said, well, you're, I said, your, your wife's sniffing the air. She said, yes, she can smell the queen. No kidding. The pheromone, okay. which is the, um, the hormone sure. that the queen gives off. She said, my wife can find, find her. Wow. Um, so she found the queen, knew she had the queen, so she started loading up the hive. And it's just fascinating to watch it this is, go yeah. on at the truck show. <laughs> you know, we had a crowd watching. And by dark, all the bees were there. They'd all come in and in the hive and away she went. And I can remember, you know, this is winding down and I got up to leave and her husband went, hold on. And he took the bee off my arm. I didn't, there was a, I had a honey, took that honey bee off. (laughs) Put it with the rest. Put it with the rest of them. (laughs) So yeah, many, many stories. you know, the outhouses burned in 03 mm. down there on Q Row. Somebody had set that on fire. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 There's always something going on. Well, I, I appreciate you sharing some of that from your, your days at Carlisle Vince. I really appreciate you letting me come into your home and, and hang out. And just to close, maybe because we have a growing following, California, other countries beyond just the central Pennsylvania area. Yeah. You've been, for the most part, a Carlisle native. Yes. For nearly all, or all of your life. Well, right? or nearly, yeah. Nearly I, was, I, was, I was born and raised in Carlisle. I had, uh, except for the college days and mm-hmm. a short stint working in North Carolina, okay. I, I've been pretty much around here all my life. And the reason why I asked that, Tim, is just to say uh, we're all proud of Carlisle and, and what it offers and what have you. Anything that you'd want to share with someone who may not have yet been here or perhaps has come to the shows, but they don't know, uh, you know, some of the, the treasures that Carlisle offers. I always like that, you know, give people a chance to share that. Um, if you, if you're into the specialty, if you're a Mopar person, why, of course, you come to the, the mm-hmm. Mopar show. If you're into pickup trucks, do the, you know, do the truck show. Um, if it's flea market, you desire the spring and the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, I still go. Um, back in the 70s, we cut class at Millersville on Fridays to attend <laughs> Spring and Fall Carlisle when they were just starting out. Um, <clears throat> my one college roommate still comes to Carlisle. He's been a vendor since 1980. Wow. Uh, <clears throat> and still comes to Carlisle. What I so enjoyed about Spring and Fall was I had my list but uh, of car parts I'd be looking for, or even slot cars or golf memorabilia. 
you never know what you're going to find. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the mystique of it. Yeah, that's the mystique. Um, you never know. Um, I look back, uh, there were times that um, parking was just crazy. Um, and I was fortunate, you know, I lived, when I lived in town, um, I'd have somebody take me to gate one. <laughs> Oftentimes my mom uh, or somebody would take me to gate one and I'd hoof right to the north field mm-hmm. and work my way back. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, you know, in the day, hit one of the pay phones, uh, call for my ride for my pickup. Um, there's an interesting one. Bill Miller could probably tell you that. How many payphones used to be out there? The lines used to stand for probably half hour, forty five minutes. Remember seeing that payphone at the end of the day, mm-hmm. there are none. Right. right. During Just my like tenure, airport. during my tenure, we tore out the last ones. You know, mm-hmm. now they've got uh, um, cell towers on the grandstand. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so yeah, spring and fall shows are still. Um, they're still fascinating. Um, unfortunately, it's not what it used to be with, with right. eBay and the computer nowadays. Sure. But, uh, we still like to go out and find the stuff and inspect it firsthand. And, and you, uh, you knew Chip too, correct? Yes, I was fortunate. I started uh, in January of '03, and Chip passed away what March '04. Yeah, okay. But so, I, amazing guy, along yeah. with Bill too. The fact they had the vision... Yeah, and they were able to create something, really, as a, in response to Hershey wasn't going to acknowledge it, and they they felt a need, and they wanted to. Uh, yeah, I mean, I look back to when Dad and I started in nineteen seventy, um, on the Mercury. You had two options for parts hunting: you went to Hershey, mm-hmm. or you went to junkyards. Mm-hmm. That was it. There, there was no internet. There was nothing right. like that. Um, you just, you started hoofing and mm-hmm. yeah, covering some meats. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, Bill and Chip had the insight to, you know, take it a little bit beyond what uh, Hershey was doing. And Well, I'll be at Spring Carlisle too. And Oh, yeah, I, I plan to be there. I, you know, uh, I talked to my old college buddy just uh, the other night. He's planning on coming up. He gets space. He has spaces at fall. Okay. But uh, spring, we'll just we'll just go. It's shopping. a reunion of sorts. People, yeah. They'll run in. Hey, what'd you do all winter? What What's your project car? What's happening? Yeah. What, what are you looking for today? Uh, it's 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 quite the uh, gathering of old friends and people of like mind and all. Yeah. It, it's kind of sad. It's not quite what it used to be. I th- I think it's because the the core group that goes is just getting older. Yeah. 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 I've been going since the seventies. Gone. Mm-hmm. Mark Schultz, Joe Cornicione, and me, we cut class at Millersville <laughs> on a Friday. Come to Carlisle and shop. Yeah. And then stop at my parents' house on Wilson Street and you know, mm-hmm. eat and yeah. hang get a out good, and get then home, yeah. back to Millersville. Yeah. Good memories. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for being part of Cars of Carlisle tonight, and uh, we'll uh, get this episode out there and, and uh, share your message with everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back, guys. Hope you enjoyed that. To me, it was just fascinating to know more of what went into the work that 
keep that fairgrounds in its fully operational state. And a big thank you to Tim for opening up his garage and home to let me come out and interview and spend some time with him. So Tim, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this. Before we close out, let me go ahead and give you that answer to this week's trivia question. Just to refresh, it was simply this. What does the automotive acronym JDM stand for? And quite simply, it means Japanese Domestic Market. So thank you for continuing to be a fan of this podcast. We are grateful and so glad to have you part of it. We're going to continue to grow the content, grow what we do, and and you can be part of that by sharing, uh, forwarding, posting, uh, putting it out on whether it be Snapchat, Instagram, your social media. Uh, Be sure to go out and like us on iTunes. Five stars would be greatly appreciated. Put a positive review. That would mean a lot to us. And that helps us quite a bit with search engine optimization and for getting our content to the forefront in Google searches and with just uh, the automotive industry and, and fellow hobbyists. So for now, I'll say drive well, be well, and take care.